is ruining your childhood. I'm Kirsten. I'm Sarah. Welcome back. This is our third episode. And this week, we are going to ruin the Hardy Boys. Yep, just absolutely ruin them. Um, if you heard us last week, this will probably be similar. I don't know, though, because Kirsten's got the deets. Well, it's it's very similar, and like you've covered so much of the context that this might be like just a little bit of a rehash, but there's there's differences, so we'll talk about those. I'm ready for the nuance. The nuance. Uh, so very much like our gal Nancy Drew, uh, Frank and Joe Hardy, which are the Hardy Boys' first names. They are a part of the Stratmeyer Syndicate, the crime syndicate that writes novels for young children. Yes. Uh, But instead of being called that, they were officially written by Franklin W. Dixon. That was the name that was on the cover of all the books. Yeah, the Carolyn King, if you will. The Carolyn King, but Franklin W. Dixon. Which is like a pretty good pen name, I'll I'll say. Like yeah. it's a good it's a good I would believe that was real. Yeah, especially for like a like a mystery book. Like that seems like uh yeah, like a guy with like one of those old fashioned fedoras that Like Now, see, I'll tell you the story of how it happened. I'm Franklin W. Dixon and I'm here with the details. <laughs> That's him. That's my impression yeah. of how that ghostwriter would speak if he That's were a solid. person. I love the implication that this fake author named one of the characters after him. Like, Oh, I didn't even notice that, but what what a dick. Yeah. <laughs> how did I not put that character. together? But he's a real a-hole for that. That's uh... a... Yeah. This is a self-insert fan fiction. <laughs> uh, these kind of are. I mean... <laughs> there's, there's someone self-insert something. Yeah, these these kind of do seem like fan fiction because everything happens so perfectly for them every single time. But yeah, so Franklin W. Dixon was the name on the books and they were first published in 1927, which uh, I was just surprised at how old Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys were because yeah. I had always thought that they kind of started in the 50s and 60s, but they're so much older. But so like Nancy Drew, they are teenagers. And Frank, who is the oldest, is 18. And Joe, his younger brother, is 17. Uh, it's kind of odd that they're only one year apart. I mean, I guess that's pretty common, but they would have had to churn out those babies real fast. <laughs> well, to be fair, me and my sister are uh, 17 months apart. But fair enough. You know, fair enough. We don't mean we don't mean a lot of siblings very often that are like, you know, Irish twins as we are. Are you two technically Irish twins? What what defines you know an what Irish determines twin? that? That wouldn't that be nine months apart? Actually, I thought yeah, I thought it was twins born in the same physical year. So like you would have been, had to be both born in like 1994 for you to be Irish twins. Gotcha. So we're not Irish twins. Uh, we are just siblings that, that are a little over a year apart. I, I Honestly, know. I don't know. Like I, I, I think don't know it's just what like that means. One, like boom, one eye after the other, as opposed to. Uh, you know, some time in between, which probably has derogatory roots. Maybe next week we'll ruin uh, the concept of Irish twins. You know? Yeah, it's probably a very racist term, honestly. Like, yes. anything that's called Irish, I feel like, is just based on, like, when being racist to Irish people was extremely common and uh, the norm. You love that. True. 
yeah, it's it's fun to remember how many groups were uh, victims of uh, racism in this country. <laughs> oh yeah, and uh, there's a whole like historical concept of like how the Irish became white at some point. Yes, and okay. So speaking of Irish stereotypes, the main cop in the particular version of the Hardy Boys that I read, the chief of the police, the chief of police was an Irishman. So. Yeah. Hmm. That's like a that's that's like a racial stereotype that all police are Irish. Yeah, I don't know where it started. I think I I watched a video once on like how that exactly became a trope and the sort of racist connotation of that. But it's been a long time since I watched it. At any rate, the the chief of police is Irish in this story. Um, Mm -hmm. Not like an Irish immigrant, but he has like an Irish last name and is kind of like. Uh, contextually Irish. So Frank and Joe Hardy live in Bayport. So uh, that's probably across the river from uh, where Nancy lives. Because this also seems like sort of blanket New England. Yeah. In the in the book that I read, at some point they go to New York, and it's like a short, a short-ish train distance from New York City. So somewhere in New England. They don't really mm-hmm. specify what state it is, but it's New England. Yeah. Um, unlike Nancy, their father is actually a detective, but very much like Nancy, he uh, helps them solve their crimes. His name is Fenton Hardy, which is an interesting name. And That's a nice he, detective name. Yeah, Fenton Hardy. Uh, he owns his own detective agency, and he is a former police officer who opened a detective agency after retirement so even Mm. though he's only in his 40s he's like retired from the police force and is now running his own thing so because Mm. of his connections with the police though frank and joe have sort of connections to like the local police force they um because their father is like respected they get kind of like special treatment Mm. anyway they're the this is a first for this show. They actually have a living mother. Wow. Yay. Wow. That is a rarity. And she is maybe even more dead than the other two. <laughs> 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 she's extremely emotionally vacant. No, she's she is like, uh, this is my, of all the versions of moms I've ever read, she's my least favorite, like, fictional mom. Because yeah. she is just extremely she's completely uh steady at all times like she never gets too excited about anything at uh, the 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 book I, I i keep saying read i didn't read it i listened to the audiobook of it because that's how i listen to all of my books at this point in time so yeah. uh in this particular audiobook she never gets upset even though one of her sons is kidnapped and they almost <laughs> die thrice She's still like, well, you've got to go on detectiving. <laughs> you must solve the crime at all costs to your physical safety. <laughs> but Were your parents just like that back then? I, 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 I think like this is like a glimpse into how distant people could be at those times. She's just like, she never like cares for them or is like at all concerned. So last week you mentioned that while Nancy's dad is sort of helpful to the cause, that he also, you know, doesn't want Nancy to put herself in danger. Well, uh, the Hardy parents do not 
care at all if their kids are in immediate danger. <laughs> They're like, you know, you agreed to solve the mystery. So if it kills you, so be it. You got to solve it. Yeah, keep your commitments, boys. Yeah, it, that's it's so much the like, you are a man of your word and you will keep that word until your dying day. And if you die tomorrow, at least you went out an honorable man. So it's just kind of a way different it's and I think it's so indicative of how parents treat boys versus girls. Yeah. Of you know boys will get into adventurous situations and girls should be nice and quiet and play on their own. Yeah. It's just a very different vibe. But so as sort of the opposite to the mother, there's the Aunt Gertrude character. And Aunt Gertrude is a spinster that lives with them sometimes. Just sometimes. She's, she doesn't live with them in every book, but in this one she did. Uh, that was the thing that I read that like, because this series was written by ghostwriters, they're kind of inconsistent because mm. sometimes she lives with them, sometimes she doesn't. And there are just other inconsistencies that happen because you have a team of people writing a book instead of one person. Yeah continuity errors are going to happen in that sort of situation so the aunt gertrude character is one of those and so she is a spinster which is like super fun to talk about like this Mm -hmm. is how you were treated in 1927 if you were a lady who was never married she's just kind of like they're they're all aunt gertrude she's like she's more talkative and like i don't want to say like outgoing because she's sort of like socially awkward like yeah I guess, you know, social norms at this time, if your kids are in immediate danger, you remain poised and stoic. And Aunt Gertrude is like, oh, my God, what's happening? So, yeah, Aunt Gertrude reacts like you would think a normal person would. But when she reacts like that, Mrs. Hardy is like, oh, my goodness, she's so embarrassing. Look at how. I already get a hold of yourself. Look at how embarrassing she is being concerned for your safety. What a. (laughs) What an idiot. No wonder no one ever married this bitch. Like, it's, <laughs> it's really odd. <laughs> but so Aunt Gertrude is also a hardy because she's Fenton's spinster sister. I think that's yeah. literally verbatim how she's described. Oh, no. They called her their maiden aunt. So mm. so she never married. And that's her biggest character trait. <laughs> her biggest character trait is that she's a... Uh, improper and that she never found anyone to take her off of their hands <laughs> just like how the mom's biggest character trait is that she is wife of fenton and mother of frank and joe exactly that is her one and she is poised and stoic and that's it that's her whole character oh and she's pretty that's mm, right pre- right pretty quiet and wife mother that's it so yeah really great great female characters <laughs> Do they describe, like, their father as handsome or anything? Uh, yes. And he's, like, not only is he handsome, but he's, like, physically fit. And even though he's in his 40s, he can still run and, like, keep up with Frank and Joe, who are 17 and 18. Like, their dad is still physically as capable of doing things as they are. Which, uh, if if you are over the age of 18, let me know how uh, you compare physically to someone who is 17. <laughs> because uh i'm not even 30 yet but i feel like if i had to be in a foot race with someone who's 18 i'd i'd die within the first minute (laughs) 
<laughs> me, me too. <laughs> oh, the kids are too strong. The kids uh, are strong. If you've ever had more than three alcoholic beverages over the age of 25, you'll know that 18 year olds are a lot stronger. <laughs> yeah. Well, like literally, like I think men, cis men in particular peak at like 17, 18, like right around there. Right. Physically, like I think your muscle mass like peaks at 18 if you're a cis man. So uh but not fitting he is superhuman and he peaked at 40 he's not even peaked yet like he probably will peak at 70 (laughs) just in time for his retirement years yeah um but also so because i knew about the uh 1959 rewrite of this book i kept wondering if the aunt gertrude character was originally written as a non-white person because Hmm. she's sort of written in that same way where her speech is sort of unsophisticated and that's like that's usually how non-white people talk in books like this and you know she is so exuberant and I just thought that this I I was listening to this and I was like oh no I'm gonna look this up and this is going to be one of those rewrites where they just turned her back into a white person yeah and it wasn't she was always their aunt she was never like a housekeeper which is kind of what i assumed yeah but she's still their spinster aunt so she's just written very differently from the mother probably just to be the one human woman who reacts normally (laughs) (laughs) a foil Uh, if you will a foil character to the very uh poised mother yeah So much like Nancy, and maybe even more so than Nancy, these kids are loaded. Mm. They have so much money. Much like our girl Nance, they have a convertible to drive around in. But they also have motorcycles, each of them. They don't, like, share. They have two motorcycles. Oh, they motorcycles. don't, like, have one, like, Titanic hugging the other. <laughs> yeah, I wish. That would be better, actually. Like... Uh, no, but they each have their own individual motorcycles. They have a boat, uh, like a speedboat that they, uh, that they cruise around in. And they have an airplane. What? It's 1927 and they just own an airplane. Just invented airplanes. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Actually, the, the actual book that I read is called After Midnight, I think. I don't even remember, but um, in this particular one, planes are a pretty big aspect, and they talk about vintage planes and, like, antique planes, and they're just fabric and wood. <laughs> 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 like, someone someone owns an antique plane, and it's just fabric and wood. So like The one that Wilbur and Oliver, uh, yeah. <laughs> Orville, whatever, the Wright, it's one the one that the Wright brothers have. Yeah, it's like the model, two models after that. So yeah. and they actually fly in it. So they're but their mom doesn't care. They're they're in a plane crash, and when they get back, they're like, "Hey, we had to parachute out of a fabric plane." Mm-hmm. And their, their mom's mom like, like, "Well, as long as you made it safely, I don't have any other thoughts." <laughs> uh, and and their dad in this particular version, like this this episode, if you will, that he's out of town, so you only get to hear him being talked about and talking over the phone and then a little bit at the end but for the majority of this book he is out of town so their plane which was nice wasn't available to them because their Uh, dad had it so that's why they didn't use their nice plane and they had to use an antique plane 
Is this supposed to be just like James Bond for kids? Where it's it like- is. It's exactly James Bond for kid. I kept reading this and I was like, who, who, what, uh, 17 and 18? This is literally like secret service stuff that they're doing. Yeah, here. like their technology it's 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 like wish fulfillment it's like um it's the same feeling adults get when they watch james bond even today or read james bond and like they're very just impressed by the technology he gets to use and and like how suave he is and everything we like gadgets and we like people that are cool and that's Mm -hmm. not changed at all (laughs) um because oh and the main plot point of this is that they're trying to protect a radio that's just been invented it's like essentially a really clear radio that will allow you to pick up signals like intercontinentally and it's like a technology that hadn't been invented yet at the time so it was like (gasps) it was like this nice radio and they were afraid that like rival inventors were going to try to steal it so they had to keep it safe and I was like this is uh, a good history lesson if nothing else that there was a time on this earth where if you had a really sick radio, you had to keep it secret. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, man. Wait till they see my, like, fancy alarm clock radio. <laughs> if uh, if you could show the Hardy Boys an iPhone, that would be the best. It would um, melt their brains right y- out. They couldn't handle it. I bet that's the only thing that if you showed it to old mom, she would be like, Wow. <laughs> <laughs> the only the thing only that would make thing her have that, an emotion. <laughs> the only thing that can get a reaction out of this lady. But so, like Nancy, Frank and Joe have friends, but their friends are actually really active in their adventures. Instead of just being sort of like uh, like buddies that they talk to, these guys go on the adventures with them. And they have a lot of friends. They have one friend named Biff Hooper, and he's just sort of like their himbo. He's the himbo of this. I'm a himbo. Everybody has to have a himbo, and Biff Hooper's the himbo. And then they have one friend named Tony Preto, who is uh, their Italian stereotype friend. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Love that. Yep. Uh, he is the son of Italian immigrants, and because he is just like the most stereotypical Italian son on earth. He is the manager of a pizza restaurant, and his dad owns a construction company. <laughs> wow! And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and he like that's his character is Italian. Uh, so, <laughs> so we were talking about Irish racism. Well, here we are coming in with uh, the Italians. Oh my god, I can't, I kind of... can't leave them out of the picture. His name's even Tony. Like that's just Tony. It Tony. <laughs> <laughs> do they ever like in, in the in the one you read do you ever meet tony's family or anything no but tony's family i did find out are in other episodes and they're just very uh stereotypical italian uh because you not only meet like tony's mom and dad but you also meet his aunt and uncle and they're just like a big italian family so oh man that's delightful i, I would love <laughs> Like a scene where he goes in, his mom's like, you forgot the cannolis! Hey! <laughs> hey! I'm making meatballs! Um, just some ridiculous, ridiculous stuff. Yeah, uh, I I didn't read that particular book, but I bet it's like that. I, I'm gonna, I would lay a bet on that. But their, their most uh, common friend, the friend that's in the most adventures, is Chet Morton. And uh, I hate everything about the way this character's written <laughs> because mm. he is their fat friend. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and like, okay, so every this is something that just happens with when you write a fat character into kids' books. They're always sort of bullied by someone, and then they're very attractive looking friends stand up for them and they're like hey he's a growing boy don't be so rough on him and then 10 seconds later they'll turn around and make fun of him for being fat and Mm. that that happens i don't i don't know but it's like the same thing with like anytime you have a fat character they're either mean or they're uh really wimpy and won't take up for themselves so like uh like a neville longbottom yeah or like um Oh, the the kid from the Goonies, he's kind of Chunk. His name yeah. is literally Chunk. His name is Chunk and they like they, they <laughs> and they they like oh. why, why is it portrayed as like only we're allowed to, you know, verbally harass you? We're like, going to make fun of something that you're extremely sensitive about and other people openly bully you about, but when we say it it's fun and not bullying. Yeah. That is such a thing in like coming of age stuff with yeah. boys. And as a fat person, I just really, like, that's a trope that I'm always just so mad about. Because anytime, there's almost never a fat person in a a story. And anytime that they are, they're immediately bullied by someone and then probably bullied by their friends also. And I just, I hate that in these stories that the fat person never defends themselves. It's always, they need their skinny, attractive friends to take up for them. And it's just like, ugh, give me something else. Like The original! Maybe it wasn't played out in 1927, but it's definitely played out now, so. If anything, this could have been like, this was maybe the mold for this, um, which may be even worse. Yeah, they stuck with it. But, um, like, I say that as someone who's reading Chet as an adult. I didn't read The Hardy Boys as a child. This is honestly the first time I've ever read anything. Uh, I always kind of knew who they were because I read Nancy Drew and when you read Nancy Drew you just sort of know about the Hardy Boys yeah so um but I never read them so maybe if I were a kid this wouldn't be so glaring but reading it for the first time as an adult it really is and like like I said this is not how everyone feels I actually read an article by Brandon Tensley and he said while the franchise is named after the Hardys it's Chet who gives the books heart and who gave me scrawny, closeted, adolescent uh, self a different boyishness to embrace. And it's like, I respect that. I respect that he's sort of different from the Hardy Boys, who are like the perfect version of masculinity. But as an adult, it's problematic, and it's hard to read without getting uh, turned off. Yeah, I I can definitely see that both ways. Like, I think aspects of his character might have been positive for some people, especially like, boys who weren't traditionally masculine in the way that um you know society wanted them to be but also they didn't have to write his uh fatness in the way that they did right and and he is more bookish and sort of a little more sensitive and i and i like that aspect of his character it's mostly just the the fact that he is sort of the butt of the joke a lot that i didn't like and he's also coded as poor and so that that kind of is interesting in comparison to the Hardy Boys, who are rich, conventionally attractive, traditionally masculine, and like seem seemingly fearless. They are just so much the American masculine ideal of the time, 
And yeah. and and when I say that Chet is coded poor, I mean so they have motorcycles, convertibles, boats, and airplanes, and Chet has like an old jalopy, and they're at they're like, hey, do you think your car can take us here before it explodes? Ha ha ha. And <laughs> Chet's Why like, don't you give him one of your like thousand vehicles if you're right. making fun of him for his jalopy? He's also a teenager. Like, how is he supposed to have a convertible like you, Frank? Oh my god, that's yes. annoying. It's it's very. I I just didn't like a lot of the Chet character, and and like I said, I'm reading it as an adult where I see the problems. So no shade if you read these books and you loved the Chet character. Uh, I'm glad that you had someone that you identified with. And that you could look up to. I'm just saying that it's time that we have better representations of different types of masculinity. Yes, I agree with that. That's that's honestly, if I were going to say my main takeaway from this is that we just need to see better representations of men who can be sensitive, who aren't always successful, who aren't physically perfect. That's yeah, better representation for fat people in general. Yeah. Amen. Amen. We're actually like, I feel like there's a lot of strides happening with that right now, but I don't know if it's happening with kids as much as it is with adults. Yeah. You know, adults have Lizzo, but who do kids have? (laughs) Yeah. Well, maybe also Lizzo, but (laughs) yeah, we all have Lizzo. She's for all of us. She's for the people, but, but yeah, no, I, I, I get what you're saying. Like in kids media in particular, because it kind of, these ideas about body types starts early like this the the fact that we are familiar with this trope that chet is uh from such a young age and it's like so implanted in us is is worth noting yes because it it is damaging like when you you, it's easy to say that these are just books and that they they don't have any lasting impression but when you are a fat child and the only representation of yourself that you see is someone who's also bullied for their way it's uh it's hurtful. It's hard to read. Yeah. So uh, maybe it's for the best that I didn't read The Hardy Boys as a fat kid. <laughs> it might have messed me up even more than I already was. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So um, so Chet is their most common friend. And uh, oddly enough, they both have girlfriends. Believe it or not, they actually have <laughs> girlfriends. And Joe's girlfriend is actually Chet's sister, which I'm like, really? You're going to bully your brother and you're going to date her. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm mad about it. And Frank also has a girlfriend whose name is Callie Shaw. But again, these characters are um, just in the story as they relate to the Hardy Boys and also Chet. So they're they're not uh, spectacular characters. They don't really stand out. And uh, so same issues with Nancy Drew. These were really racist and they had a rewrite in 1959 just like the Nancy Drew stories did. There was one thing that I thought was really interesting was that uh, I read an article about the pushback of the the rewritten books and one of the issues that people had was not that the racism was written out it was that they actually made the books easier to read because they wanted them to be more like television Hmm. they said that they were you know seeing decreases in sales because of tv and they wanted to make more simplistic plots so they cut out some higher level vocabulary words and sort of streamlined the plot a little to make it a little less suspenseful. And people were really upset about that aspect of the rewrites. But you also have to think 
uh, what portion of those people are actually upset about the content and what percentage just are mad that the racism was written out? Not written yeah. out. Uh, covered up. Yeah, yeah. I do wonder that. And I also wonder if that's where, because I think occasionally in Nancy Drew books, at least, there are like little pictures drawn in, not like on every page, but like at some point during the book. I think I remember seeing that at some point. And I wonder if that was added in then where it's like, kids want visuals we can give them visuals (laughs) they need stuff to look at well we got it yeah so these books sold 70 million copies and Mm. the series ran in book form until 2005 really they they, like basically just stopped making these wow and it was all like the same series it wasn't like um it was continuous they wrote other versions, but, like, there are 190 volumes of the Hardy Boys mystery stories, which is oh the, like, God. originals. And they did, like, different versions. There's, like, the Undercover Brothers, which I think is a funny name. But yeah. there's uh, Hardy Boys Case Files, which is aged up for more, like, young adult instead of so much, uh, you know, young kids. Mm-hmm. So they did different versions, but the Hardy Boys mysteries ran in- until 2005. So that's pretty amazing. I know. I was like, I can't believe how enduring these are. They also uh, had a TV series. Disney produced two serials. So I I had to look up what a serial is, but it's like a, a story shown in segments. So they would show 15 minute episodes during the Mickey Mouse Club. Oh, oh. Yeah, in in 1956 when they started the Mickey Mouse Club, they told like a continuous story, but every week they would only give you like a 15 minute clip. That seems like the most frustrating way to watch a show. <laughs> yeah, honestly, in today when we binge an entire series in one day, I cannot imagine learning a story 15 minutes at a time. That's why Quibi failed. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Nobody wants to watch things like that. Uh, I was curious if there was ever an on-screen version because like, there was none that I was aware of. Yeah, I've never, I had until this week, I've never watched any Hardy Boys TV shows. But so there was that serial. And then in the 60s, the, the Stratmeyer Crime Syndicate attributed a loss in sales to television competition. So they created a show for NBC, and just because, like we said, the Stratmeyer Syndicate is their good capitalist, and when they see a market, they pounce on it. So there was that show in the 60s, and then in 1969, there was a cartoon series that they would show on Saturday mornings. And then in 77 and 79, there was actually an ABC show, and it was the Hardy Boys slash Nancy Drew Mysteries. So each week, they would do, they would alternate between the Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew. And I actually watched a few of these, and they're like, good. I kind of really liked them. And not even like ironically, I, I just liked them. That is, we had no idea. But I do have to give a disclaimer. So you love your CW shows. Yeah. And I love my 70s detective shows. Mm. So like the show Columbo is <laughs> one of my favorite things to watch. <laughs> and these oh, are honestly, these are just teenage Columbo. They're just teenage Columbos. It seems like another situation where they were just, like, taking an adult thing and making it for kids. Exactly. And they take, like, even the font is the same on the opening. Like, <laughs> they're, they're like, shot for shot, the opening was, like, a Columbo mystery. And I was like, I'm into this. So they did that with Nancy they and with the Hardy Boys. They got me. 
they know how to get me i see that like i hear that like na 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 and see a an old fashioned car pull up i'm like oh yeah i'm on board (laughs) 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 Uh, but yeah so those only ran from 77 to 79 though so kind of short-lived but um if you want to watch one you can watch one illegally on youtube like i did (laughs) i'm gonna look Uh, that up honestly i am intrigued yeah they're they're not bad like they're a little cheesy but they're fun to watch but yes so frank and joe hardy are very much mid-century ideals of masculinity and whiteness they are what you were supposed to aspire to be and they never deviate they're they're good at everything they play every sport anything they try they're good at they speak different languages despite I don't know how these kids ever went to school because they're so busy out here solving crimes yeah and they are in high school it's not like they're this is their job they actually go to school and Frank is the captain of the football team how does he have the time how does he have the time he actually quits football and quits the boy scouts because he wants to focus on his studies but this man never does any studying. He is always just solving a mystery. <laughs> he and yeah. his friends are out on adventures. They're not studying. Yeah, I think that's why he quit those things. He he wanted to just have more time for mystery solving and just gallivanting around the town. But I did read something interesting about these that I actually... This kind of like altered my opinion of them a little bit when I read it. So... Oh. One of the ghostwriters that wrote the Hardy Boys, he wrote apparently 1 through 16 and then 22 through 24 pretty much exclusively. And his name was Leslie McFarlane. And he actually wrote an autobiography that was called The Ghost of the Hardy Boys. And I would love to read that book, but it is out of print. But uh, someone did quote him from that autobiography. And he actually said, I had my own thoughts about teaching youngsters that obedience to authority is somehow sacred. Would civilization crumble if kids got the notion that the people who ran the world were sometimes stupid, occasionally wrong, and even corrupt at times? And I was like, what? (laughs) yeah i was like i'm on board with that like yeah so the hardy boys do occasionally get in like situations with the police where the police don't believe them uh this definitely happened in the tv series the episodes that i watched the police are like yeah right kid yeah so yeah it's it's that was refreshing and when i read that i was like i really i really love that you tried to put that context into the book yeah yeah like that's kind of a similar a similar attitude towards things that Roald Dahl had because like in a lot in like Matilda and like a lot of his works it's like the theme is that adults kind of suck and like that's very much written into it and that is a trope that I love I love that trope and I love the idea that societal problems come from people like that's I, I don't yeah. know. I just I love the idea that even people in authority make mistakes. Yes, that like that is a very important thing to teach kids. I think because I don't know, just blindly trusting authority is um, can get you into problems. And immediately after I so this is this is really uh, made me turn a corner with the Hardy Boys because up until this point I had been like, wow, they're such uh, masculine stereotypes. There's no sensitivity. They're really you know, damaging tropes of white male ideals. And I was, I was just mad. I was just mad. And then I read that quote and I was like, okay, 
where what else can I find that's going to make me like this a little more? Yeah. And so then I read a list that someone had made of like things that they got from reading the Hardy Boys. And the first thing on the list was like, be a detective and don't trust things that people tell you. Do your own investigation into things. And I was like, all yeah. right, you got me. <laughs> 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 yes, learn that lesson. That's a, such an important lesson because nobody does that anymore. <laughs> Oh yeah, that that is a I didn't even think about that, but the, yeah, that's a very uh pertinent current lesson for kids. Right. Yes. It, you have to do your own investigation and you can't trust things that people tell you without backing it up. That's I I'm going to say that that's the takeaway I want people to get from the Hardy Boys is don't trust corrupt systems and investigate all your information. Yeah. And throw out the rest. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Uh, throw out everything else, especially the racism. Yeah. And like, as you were describing the characters and stuff, I, I was actually thinking to myself, like, wait, if this ever got Riverdale or or even just like, just turn into any kind of movie or, or rewritten or anything, like, what could they do differently to make it better? And like, I think the, the original content is salvageable. I know we went on a whole tangent, you and I, last week about how, like, instead of rehashing old things, let's make things that, like, aren't racist from the beginning. We, we, we did say those things. But I feel like the Hardy Boys, if, they, if there was to be a, a reboot or remake of them, it could be redeemed. Yes, yes, I think so, too. I think that there's a lot of room for improvement, but I think the bones are pretty good. Yeah, whereas... You know, I think Nancy Drew inherently was written by someone who um, doesn't value women. Right. And and that's that's the difference is that the Hardy Boys are not crushed under the societal expectations that people put on women. So they're free to explore and to adventure and to make their own minds up about what they want their futures to be like. Unlike Nancy, who's really confined. So... So at its core, because of male privilege, the Hardy Boys could be rewritten and be updated for our modern times. And I would watch it. I would, um, especially if it were a CW show. Uh, hint, hint, I, CW. Uh, yeah, make it part of the same universe as uh, Nancy Drew and then make well, them both part of the same universe as Riverdale. Exactly. Well, ex- especially making Nancy and... The Hardy Boys, same universe, because they're very much same universe. Oh, yeah. Like, they're just like a town over or something. Right. Make them from the opposite town and have them solve a mystery together. Have a yearly crossover episode. Boom. We've already written for you. Make mm-hmm. the Hardy Boys non-white. Yes. One of the brothers will be gay. Yes. Um, or maybe one of the brothers is trans. Boom. There, I'm, hey. I'm writing it for you. And then, um, and then Chet is just better all around. Just make the character better. But keep him fat, please. Yeah, Very important. Uh, keep him sensitive and less traditionally masculine, but don't make fun of him for it. Exactly. Have him be proud of that, and let other. And if anyone is rude to him, please, God, let Chet stand up for himself. Yeah. That's, that That's give thing. fat people agency over their own defense. Like, please. Yes. Yeah, and then don't have, like, his friend, like, have his friends actually care for him and not just, like, only we can make fun of him, you can't, but we can. That's ridiculous. Don't do that. Side story, uh, as a fat person, I used to get made fun of a lot. And not that I don't now, it's just that I'm not as in as many situations where I get made fun of. 
-hmm. But once I was walking down the street and this guy yelled from his car window, like, get out of the way, you fat piece of shit or something like that to me, a stranger on the street. And I was with my very thin friend and she yelled, oh, yeah, I bet you got a tiny dick, bitch. <laughs> and if you're going to defend your fat friends, do it that way. I <laughs> yeah, just, like, just verbally destroy people in a very rude way. Um, uh, I support that. Yeah. And to be fair, it only worked coming from her because she has never been mean to me about my weight. <laughs> yes. Yeah, uh, she, she, wouldn't, she wouldn't do the thing of like, uh, hey, only I can pick on her. <laughs> yeah she would never make fun of me she only makes other people feel horrible when they're mean to me which yeah. i appreciate and that's what friends do that's what friends are yeah. for <laughs> and that's what friends are for <laughs> but yeah so that's the hardy boys yeah oh man what oh do we know enough teen actors to like cast this new hardy boys show um <laughs> Uh, I don't know any teens. That's the end of the statement. <laughs> not only do I not know any teen actors, I don't know any teen human beings. Okay, <laughs> I I feel like these actors are going to be far too like high profile for a CW show. But imagine, okay, let's say that they the Hardy Boys are adopted, and so I love it already. Jordan Fisher as one of them. Yes, Jordan Fisher's the Frank. older one. He's got to be Frank. Yeah, he's Frank's be Frank, the oldest, and he make the older one like very um, the cool, like swift, you know, suave one. And then the younger one, um, I don't know, cast somebody. He's sort of like Joe is sort of like he's like the funny younger brother. Like mm. he's not as cool or uh, like talented as Frank, but he's kind of funny and like quick witted. So yeah. go for that. Okay, so then you have a younger brother who is funny, less conventionally attractive, but more funny, a little bit more nerdy, uh, but like sarcastic nerdy, right? And then make um, Frank by, and I just that's just the vibe here. And then um, and then maybe make Joe and Chet fall in love in the or no Joe and Frank. I don't know. Just, Joe and I'm, Frank are the brothers. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I am not advocating for incest. No, I no, meant Chat no, and Frank. Frank and Joe love story, please God. No, and is... don't you dare write a fan fiction about it, you sick freaks. <laughs> <laughs> this on the heels of the whole um, Destiel fiasco and being reminded that incest used to be a thing. Oh, I just had to. This weekend was a stark reminder that supernatural <laughs> still exists. Um, uh... Sorry to the fans. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well if you learn anything from this show it's that your favorite media may have its own problems but you you can love it like yeah times is tough you gotta latch on to whatever makes you feel good so you gotta get that sweet serotonin where you can get it get it my man so if your favorite books on earth are the hardy boys read them read them over and i i honestly when i was reading them i was like you know there are obviously problems with these, but I'm about to have a nephew. And I was like, you know, I would read these to my nephew if, you know, for like, I would I would make sure that I gave him other media that was yeah. more inclusive and talked about different people and situations. But in addition to a 
balanced breakfast of other types of people you can still read the hardy boys yeah yeah i think i think that's i think that's true with i would say a lot of the older media we talk about on the show you know in our three episodes is <laughs> like you know you these media we're not deeming this media worthless we are just uh you know anything you consume consume it with a critical eye and and you know teach your kids to do that too like you know, explore, ex- make it a conversation starter with your kids if there's, like, a racist thing in a book you read about, like, why, you know, if this was, uh, if this was published in, like, 1940, why might someone in 1940 have, uh, published a book with racism in it? Um, and then, you know, use that as a jumping off point. Context is always important. Context and, again, just mix in more diverse uh more like modern stuff and and then and especially if there's modern stuff it's it acts as like a a counteracting point where people realize that people were racist back in the day but also not to say that people aren't racist today people are still racist uh very much so we know this unfortunately yeah but yeah make make this cw show please (laughs) mr cw make this cw show Please, we need it. And Dear uh, Mr. CW, we are yeah, writing to request that you make a Hardy Boys show. We need it desperately. So, mm-hmm. are is Supernatural on the CW? Is that a CW show? It is. Yes. Um, that is the one CW. Show I I well, there's there's several CW shows I I don't vibe with, but um, that's one of them. I've never. It used to be too scary for me, and then now that it's not too scary for me, I've realized that it's just a show that one of those shows that's gone on for far too long. But also, um, since we brought up Supernatural, that's kind of like I feel like in the way that Veronica Mars is kind of like a Nancy Drew derivative, Supernatural is kind of a Hardy Boys derivative about like I two was, brothers solving stuff. I was just thinking that, and I was like, well, you know, the CW is going to need a replacement for that Supernatural time slot, and. Mm-hmm you can feel the void that two brothers have left with a completely different set of two brothers. Yes, so, and then do gay representation um, Yes, just entirely differently than, uh, different, than Supernatural. Yes, make it different and better. Yeah, more uh, Gen Z friendly. Gen Z Hardy Boys is what we need. Yeah, yes, and, and then have that sweet sweet crossover episode with nancy drew and uh and then you'll get the fans of one show to watch the other that's what the dc cw universe does but that's all and that's what the strap that's what the Strapmeyer syndicate does so uh take take their example and same universe make it happen but anyway next week we're gonna be talking about a wrinkle in time Um, yes 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 I'm so excited. Have you read or seen any version of Wrinkle in Time? I watched the, not the most recent version of Wrinkle in Time. I watched the older version, like the older mm-hmm. movie. Yeah, me, that's, that was like my first kind of introduction to it. And my mom was a huge fan of the book when she was younger. And a few years ago, I listened to the audiobook. I would just like listen to it on the way to work every day. And uh, it's fantastic. It, is, it has become my favorite book. Aww. in adulthood well i'm super excited and i'm i'm really just very excited to move on to a more fantastical realm uh yeah and i i can say i'm rereading uh again a wrinkle in time now but i can already tell you a lot less racism thank than the, god anything oh. the strapmeyer syndicate ever made oh thank i'm so glad to 
like be done with this sort of thing for a while. <laughs> just a little bit. Just a quick reprieve from racism. We'll be back there soon. At least explicit racism. <laughs> yeah, we'll be back. We, uh, we, we still have Disney to cover and it, it's it's gonna get bad. But in the meantime, we have something kind of nice and refreshing. Yes, it will be a welcome break. Yeah, and... Uh, Thank you for, you know, listening till the end and uh, we're on Spotify and iTunes now. Please give us five stars if you could and subscribe. It helps us out tremendously. And also, if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, email us at rycpod at gmail.com. And also, that's it. That was all I got. (laughs) Thanks for hanging in. Thanks for hanging in. See you next week. Good riddance, guys. Good riddance.